Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 77. And today we are joined by Ms. Crystal DeCuna. Hello, Crystal. Hello, good morning or good evening. <laughs> good evening for me. Good morning for you. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm fantastic. Great. Uh, sunshine in Niagara Falls. Perfect. So Crystal is an innovative customer experience engineer. Her purpose and passion is to ignite leadership teams to inspire excellence, excite employees to be consistently committed, and delight customers to be loyal for life. Through exploration, experimentation, and examination, Crystal designed the Inside Views Signature Sales System, the seven steps to customer experience excellence. So Crystal spent nearly two decades in the corporate world, leading sales forces, valued more than 50 million with the National Canadian Retailers, Restaurants, and Home Builders. As an award-winning entrepreneur, accomplished senior executive and customer experience expert with more than 20 years of success in the retail, construction, nonprofit, and e-commerce industries, Crystal engaged spirited, spirited results daily. She was honored with the 40 Under 40 Business Achievement Award and was nominated in 2017 for the Women in Business Awards. Uh, in 2012, Crystal led a sales team to achieve the Avid Ratings Award, where Mountain View Homes was recognized to be among the top 25% of builders nationwide for customer experience. It was a proud moment in her career when over 93% of their home buyers said they would recommend Mountain View Homes to family and friends. She attended York University and Brock University for business communication. I need to clarify that Crystal is obviously based in Canada. <laughs> and what city are you in? In Niagara? Niagara Falls. Yes, okay. She is a certified international keynote speaker and leadership coach with the John Maxwell, a human behavior specialist trained by Tony Robbins, and a Disney Institute graduate, just to name a few. She also contributes to her industry by engaging as a board member for the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. Crystal also sits on the board of Customer Experience Week Canada and is the chair of the Pro Your Business Niagara Board. As a proud football mom, her son and her both enjoy making a committed contribution to the YWCA of Niagara and to the community in which they live. So, welcome, Crystal, in Niagara Falls. Thank you so much. That was, uh, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but that's you. That's all you. So, thank you so much for joining us. And we are going to be talking today about the customer experience and why it's so important for female entrepreneurs as they're starting out their businesses to, to know what it is, to understand what it is, and how to provide that service. But before we begin... Crystal, again, welcome. Thank you for being on. Tell us a bit more about you and how you got into the work uh, that you're doing now. Um, absolutely. So a few years, well, I've always been involved in customer service and sales. And, and actually, you know, sales is really where my heart lies. And I came from a, a national retailer, uh, Danielle Leather, who was, you know, number one leather retailer across Canada uh, at its time. And I had a lot of uh, luxury to help design their their um, sales programs as well as kind of work with their trainers to customize things, but really developed a passion for 
the difference between sales and customer experience. So mm. as opposed to, you know, the, the old school selling mentality, what we were really trying to accomplish was getting ahead of what customers' expectations were and, mm. and really provide an experience through our products. Mm -hmm. um, so I really started to kind of learn a, a lot about it, and this was at a, an early age. Um, and as I developed my career with them, you know, really understood the, the difference, but also started to see that there's elements of just other elements of the business that contribute to actual customer experience. So, you know, hiring top talent, making sure that we're sharing our visions, uh, the culture of the organization. These are all uh, key elements that really start to affect uh, the way the customer experience is designed. Uh, later in my career, you know, had an opportunity to work with a home builder, and that was even more so um, an identification of why customer experience is such a critical uh, need for businesses today. Because you know, we weren't just selling homes; we were selling something that was going to improve somebody's life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were they were buying a home that that for their family, and and so we really had to again get ahead. Um, of customer of, of what their expectations were in order to, to really sell a home. We certainly could have just sold homes, but, but we didn't. We were really um, trying to find things that suited the needs of the, the individual that was coming to us and focused on designing experiences that really catered to them. So here I am three years later in my own company in the Inside View and uh, took the opportunity to take all the elements that I believe contribute to customer experience. And, you know, there's so many different senses and, and uh, avenues that really contribute to the overall experience. Uh, but what I was able to do is really narrow it down to seven, you know, my seven steps to customer experience excellence, what I believe uh, is what it takes, especially for small businesses, but, but really this is for any business uh, to achieve kind of outstanding customer experience. Brilliant. Okay. So tell us then, what exactly is customer experience? We, someone might say, well, is that it's the same thing as customer support? Or they may say it's the same thing as um, just providing a good service. Are those things true? That, that's an excellent question. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it is, it is, because at the end of the day, there's customer service and then there's customer experience. There's mm -hmm. sales and then there's customer experience. Mm -hmm. And often they kind of get muddled into the same basket. Mm -hmm. And so customer service, imagine, you know, if your car breaks, where do you take it? Joanna, where do you take your car if it breaks? Oh, uh, well, to the mechanic or the, the body mechanic. shop or wherever, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You typically go to a service desk though, right? If you're going to a dealership, it might say yeah. customer service. Or, or the service desk. If your vacuum breaks, you're going to call customer service. If you need to return something on the internet, you're looking for the customer service phone number. Or if so you're, service, but if you're, if you're like me and you grew up in the Caribbean, you just take it to your friend down the road who has got a big yeah. <laughs> and you just, you just <laughs> <laughs> the um, guy that your your dad's been going to for like twenty years. <laughs> But but even but that guy as well too provides a customer experience. That's why like three generations have been going to him, right? Right. Well, that's yeah. just it. So there's a service. So typically we take something or call somebody if we have a challenge with mm -hmm. something. So I was mm -hmm. staying at a hotel recently, and uh, we we had a challenge. So we had to talk to the um, guest services manager, right? So it's always services kind of customer service has got this 
cloud over it that's really more about how to handle things when there's a challenge. Right. And customer experience, the difference between that and customer experience is customer experience is really focusing on the experience before there ever, they, the challenges ever come up. So, you know, the Ritz-Carlton, for example, one of the, the world leaders in, in, our, in the hotel industry, they know what you want before you ever, you even know what you want. Before you even get there, there are 10 steps ahead because they've done their research to design an experience that's specific for you. So it's not about the service part. And I'm not saying that they, you should have either or. Successful businesses should really have both, right? There is, if there is a challenge, there's still a service team to help. But the experience part is really getting ahead of it so that you're custom designing things for your clients. Does that okay. help? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely, definitely. So, okay, let's jump into just uh, just starting out your business. Why is it important to define your customer experience, to have some kind of system or, or process in place that, that makes sure that that is something that you're, you're, the people that you're serving, whoever this is, is, mm -hmm. is experiencing? Sure. So, you know, I always ask the question, is your is your customer experience happening by default or by design, mm. right? And I would say 99% <laughs> of businesses will tell me, you know what, it's happening by default because mm. they haven't taken the steps to kind of identify the key moments of truth and the key emotional experiences that a client is having with our brand. And so if we did design the experience, just like we design our homes or we design fashion or we design anything, we mm. took that, that time to really kind of get ahead of it. Then we're, we're able to identify what we need to identify. And, um, and ultimately it affects our productivity and profitability right? So happy, we all know happy employees make happy customers. And so I always say the, the reason I call my business the inside view is that, you know, it's my belief that we need to start with our, our team first. Uh, so we need to create happy employee experiences and design the employee experiences before we can start to really design the customer experience. Mm, okay. Mm. And that, would you say that you, you say that because if your employees are your employees are a key part of providing the experience, right? So if they're not up to par, then your customers are having a poor experience. Absolutely. You know, I, I always say, you know, we need to ignite your leadership team to excite your employees because as a leader, their number one goal is to create an environment in which their employees are really going to thrive and uh, flourish. And so if their employees are excited, um, then ultimately, you know, they know that it's their role to delight your customers, but you really have to kind of start with your leadership team, focus on, um, energizing your employees because an employee experience, especially with small businesses, I work with a lot of small to medium sized businesses and you know, you, the first year in business, they might open their doors. Their owners are doing a lot of the work. Second year in business, you know, they've maybe hired one or two people five years in, they might have a team of 10 people. Um, and as they grow, you know, they're growing from a place of need or from a place of supply and demand or um, it doesn't matter. However, they are, they're growing their business. They're not taking the time often to, to step back and say, wait a minute, I now have 10, 20, 30 employees, but I, 
you know, and I think it's a good culture. Everybody seems happy, but how do I really measure the happiness of my employees? Because mm. I don't know how my customers are feeling and I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know the profitability that's walking out the door. I don't know that because, you know, typically we hear when customers have a great experience, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we hear the bad experiences on the internet when people give us bad reviews or whatever the case is. Yes. But you know, the good experiences is what we hold on to, and the challenges people just will choose not to come back to you. Right, right. And you you so, mentioned something, a, a key word, culture. Culture, culture, absolutely. Um, and that's what it is, is when you take the time to design your employee experience, you're, you're ultimately designing what your culture likes, what your culture is like, because, um, you know, most businesses, it's happening by default. So you're taking the time to design that carefully. And I, I use some interesting tools. I use um, journey mapping. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, Joanna. Have you yes, heard of I've, I've heard I've heard of the concept. Yes, of journey of journey mapping. Yes, yes. Yeah, so journey mapping allows us to really identify these moments of truth and and uh, incorporate kind of an omni-channel experience for so no matter which element of uh, marketing or uh, sales that you're using, you're able to kind of put all that in one map and really identify again these these moments of truth and, and challenges and successes that come up in the customer experience. But journey mapping allows you to go as far back as six months before they're ever your customer. And then while they're your customer and then six months, a year, two years into the future. So it really gives you a bigger picture of, um, of the feeling you want your customers to leave with or your employees. Journey mapping can be done for both, but it's a tool that really identifies these key moments. Like when you're hiring staff, you know, do you, you hire your team and they, you know, the first day of work, they're just tagging behind somebody, you give them a manual and uh, before you know what the first day is done and they've just shadowed somebody all day. Or right, right. do you sign the contract and the next day in the mail, they get their business cards and the t-shirt with a handwritten letter saying, we can't wait to have you in on Monday, you mm. know, and that's, that's the difference. That's starting the experience before they even walk walk in the door for your employees so it's also defined by a set of interactions it's interactions between yeah between the customer and and the different uh like you mentioned before employees and whatever else that customer is going to experience that entire interaction with different people or systems or processes or whatever all of those interactions together define the customer experience Yes, that's what we call um, an omni-channel approach. So it's mm. how many, you know, what are the different uh, channels that you're connecting or you're touching, um, you know, the, the, either the employee or the customer experience. But what are the different channels? Um, so, mm. you know, whether it's social media, you know, social media has 100 different channels, right? So you've got yeah. Instagram and Facebook and so on. Um, or is it through um, mail or is it through a phone call? You know, right. one of the biggest contributors to customer experience is the phone. <laughs> the phone. Okay. Yes, I feel like often, you know, people have telephobia and we send so many emails and so many posts and so many, uh, so electronic, which I love. And I, I, I'm a, I'm an advocate for digitalizing things. Right. But sometimes you just need to pick up the phone. 
and, and talk to a customer and talk yeah. to an employee and, you know, have a conversation as opposed to a text message. Sometimes it's just that phone conversation that can really make the difference. Yeah. Do you believe the human touch is missing? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, and, and I go back to the companies that do it so well, you know, the Disney's of the world and the, mm. the, of the world. Um, they, they are digitalized in some aspects, you know, the booking system and the, the, there are definitely elements that have been digitalized, but the, what makes them, you, you know, what makes them so great is their people. Right. Right. And people that the way they, I always say they don't pay their people 10 times more than anybody else. You know, they pay them standard as a, you know, what, what, what the going rate is, but what they do is they, they select top talent. Their hiring comes from a selection process as opposed to a hiring from a need base, right? We uh, often, I work with small businesses that are just hiring people because, you know, they might, their resume might fit or they might like their energy and they need somebody. So they're hiring a place of need as opposed to, you know, the Ritz-Carlton who's uh, doing hiring sessions once a month, whether they need people or not, and really making sure that they've got a bench of people that they can select and handpick when right. the time is ready. Right. Um, I am very curious about your take on customer experience and loyalty. Well, that's a great question. Mary. How are they connected? <laughs> <laughs> So anybody that knows me or is on my Instagram knows that I am a, a bit of a Starbucks junkie. Okay. Um, oh, I didn't know that. And I thought I followed you on Instagram. Okay. I know I follow you on Facebook. There we go. I am definitely a, a Starbucks junkie and you know, I'm in Canada. And so uh, we are the home of Tim Hortons. I don't know if you have Tim Hortons out there. Do you have Tim Hortons over there? In, in where I am in China? Um, <laughs> No, I haven't seen it. I, I know they have one in the Middle East, so that's why I was asking. So, oh, I don't know. I can't speak on it. You never know. You know, you never yeah, know. So Tim Hortons is a, is a Canadiana brand, and uh, now they are international. But, you know, what was said that they were the leaders in, in the coffee industry. Right. And, uh, you know, Starbucks was, was along here as well. But Starbucks was bigger in the U.S. Yes. So then Starbucks came over to Canada. And then there's McDonald's, the ultimate, you know, the, the king of fast food. Uh, it's really started getting a name for coffee. And so what was interesting was there was this, there's this coffee battle, in, in Canada at least. There's, a, there's this battle for supremacy when it can't, comes to coffee. And each company is doing it a little bit different. But what Starbucks is doing uh, that's separating itself from others across the world, so not just here in Canada, definitely on an international basis, is they've created this loyalty program that's literally making customers loyal for life um, because they're engaging them so much where, you know, a great example, so there's an app that they have. And, you know, every 125 points you get a free um, whether it's a beverage or whether it's food or whether it's whatever you want, but you get something for free every 25, 125 points. Mm. And created this system though on the app where you can pay with the app. You're, um, you're using it for your points. You also get rewards and contests on the app. So, I mean, as much as I am loyal to them, 
I get a free coffee every couple days, every every two, three days, because wow. I'm going to be a company that, you know, they might be six, $7 coffees, but I get a free one every now and then. So number mm. one, I'm going to spend the money there because I'm going to get a perk back, which is nice. I enjoy the product, which is great. And mm -hmm. I enjoy the people. I enjoy the experience. They've made it easy. I always say, make it easy for people to give you their money. And they've made it very easy. I have to pick up. I don't even have to take my purse in to the store. If I'm walking into the cafe, I can just take my cell phone. Right? So they've made it super easy for people to give them their money. But also, they've made it easy for people to be loyal. So. Yeah. That's, that's really the differentiator between loyalty and how it affects ultimately your customer experience, but also it maximizes your profitability. Right. And actually, as of this summer, as of this summer, just to interject really quickly, Tim Hortons is set to open 1,500 coffee shops around China. See, there you go. Now, yeah. now they have an app as well, and uh, they were a little slower to get on the the app world, but I believe their app is now starting to uh, mimic a lot of the the same traits that that Starbucks has. Um, yeah. But Starbucks led with that, so they they really came out of the gate um, focusing on on their app. But Starbucks, the thing, Starbucks is all over China, all over yeah. China. I mean, every other corner in China has a Starbucks. But what the report says is that. Uh, Tim Hortons is looking to take advantage of the growing Chinese appetite for North American junk food. <laughs> Funny. But you yep. know, the interesting thing with, with Starbucks, there's two things that I, I admire so much. So, you know, Starbucks has a secret menu. Joanna, have you ever looked at their secret menu? They do? They have a secret menu. So if you Google it, it's, it's uh, just Starbucks secret menu. It's oh something God. they created. Based on feedback from their customers. So number one, they're listening. They're listening to what their clients want, and they created this little secret menu. But what they did with that secret menu is it's literally drinks that people can Instagram. So there's loyalty right there. It's a custom drink that somebody gets to make that nobody else knows about. So it's secret, and it's Instagrammable because these drinks are pretty cool looking, right? So they literally menu to give people something to talk about yeah to, to continue along with the buzz and it, it creates right. buzz and then it, it's about using social media and then there's that engagement that you want and it really that's really clever the secret menu right. i hadn't known even, about that even the app they they based that app based on feedback from a, a customer saying that i um I think the story goes that they had a the one of their customers didn't want to take things into the um, into the Starbucks with them. They just wanted to run in and run out, and so that's kind of where the app came in. They don't want to carry purses or bags or anything. They just wanted to get a quick coffee, and so they, they really do listen to the voice of customer, which is which is really critical when you're designing a customer experience. I often laugh when people are are making you know. They do start to, to get elements of design, but they have no data or no real information from your customers on how they want to feel. So that's a real critical element when you are designing, designing the experience. Okay. And just to recap, customer experience is by design, not by default, right? Well, I think most businesses, it is by default right now. I'd right. suggest take the time to design it. Absolutely. So a good customer experience should be created by design. It should not be by default. But what you are saying is that most most businesses are operating their customer experience just by default. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and I, yes. okay. And I love your examples about um about loyalty and and Starbucks. Starbucks, I think, is just a brand that has captured everyone everywhere. Starbucks is all over the world, from the tiniest of countries in the world, like in the Caribbean, to massive nations like China. Starbucks is everywhere. And you know what's the funny thing about Starbucks? Anywhere, any Starbucks that I find myself going into anywhere in the world, it, there's always a queue. It's always crowded. They've, they've created loyalty for life. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, I, and I'll say the same thing, and I'm just using large brands because they're, they're international, but even McDonald's, right? So mm. they've customized their, um, their menu according to the country that they're in. So, Absolutely. you know, in, yeah. in India, you'll find lamb burgers and chicken burgers. And uh, in Canada, you won't find lamb burgers, right? So, so they've yeah. really again, they've designed the experience to meet their client need. Um, they have and of to. course, they have they, to. right? And uh, and that's just one element, but they really provide different different elements of um, of the menu to to be able to cater. Disney does that as well. And in in Hawaii, when they opened up their resort in Hawaii, they mm. uh, they um, enlisted the local people well before they ever started designing the actual building for the Disney resort, then they, they got all the locals to come and to help them and to bless the land and to be a part of naming every little thing. And so, so this is because they know those are going to be our customers. They're also going to work with us, but they're also going to be our customers. So they literally, you know, spend so much time with the local people, which, That's which important. is yeah, very critical. I was in a Starbucks recently in, um, in Florida and I'm a vegan and I'm amazed at how vegan friendly Starbucks is with all of their, you know, um, non dairy crisps and this drink that has almond milk. I mean, Starbucks now you can get almond milk and coconut milk and soy milk and they're just on a roll. They're catering to everybody and they know it and it's so good. That's where I've tried. That was the first place I tried coconut milk and and wow, all. Wow, <laughs> really? Because, well, because I, you know, I didn't know if I liked it, so I'd rather start with a coffee than than buy an actual container until I know if I actually like it or not. Yeah, and they have these like um, crisps now that are made from sweet potatoes, and then they have the the um, alternative cheese. They're just I'm just like, is this Starbucks? you know <laughs> like wow they're really they're really into a lot of different things but they've picked up on it they realize okay you know healthy eating is a trend how can we capitalize on that how can we extend on this and i like the fact that anyone could go into a starbucks and have a drink made with coconut milk and not think twice about it it's introducing people like yourself to new new things which are good for you as well Exactly. But all, and also I will say, you know, it also often gets a stigma that it is uh, high priced, but yeah. Yeah. That, that people are willing to pay yeah. for things like, and so I always say, you know, earn what you're worth because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, people don't mind paying for it if they're getting great value. And part of that value is that smile on the person's face or that conversation you're having with the Starbucks person when you're picking up your coffee or just the energy in the actual uh, coffee shop. And so people don't mind paying for that. And we have to get out of our mind that, oh, you know, we can only charge this for things. You can charge what it's worth. Yeah. And I, I think, I think when people are first starting out in business, that's a problem, you know, because 
oh, I just want to get some clients. If I charge too much, then no one's going to want to come to me. And you have to think to yourself, no, 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 no. If it's good, people are going to pay. Don't even worry about that, you know? And those people that recognize your, the quality will pay that. And those who, who don't, that's fine. They're not the customers that you want. I think people are often scared to charge what, what they think they're really worth. Yeah. I mean, even in the consulting world, you know, I've been, I've been in business now three years. Um, and when I first started, I made it a mandate to like, listen, I've been trained by all these world leaders. I, I know stuff that other people don't know. There's a price tag on my worth. You know, there's definitely sales trainers out there. There's definitely other people that can do similar work to myself. But what I'm bringing to the table and why I charge what I charge is because of my value, right? What I've already spent on myself to be able to know this information for my clients. So it makes a difference when you can put the right price tag on, on your, um, on your product or service. Right. How do um, we go about creating emotional connections with our customers? You talked about, for example, going into a Starbucks and it's the conversation that say the barista or the cashier, whoever is having with the customer. I think there's, there's a, a connection that's built there. Um, I, like you mentioned Disney, Disney's big on the emotional connection. You know, how does it make you feel? <laughs> and right. And how, how do we do that? I mean, just as entrepreneurs building businesses from scratch, how do we work on that? What do we need to do? Sure. So um, I'll give you an example. I just posted actually yesterday on Instagram. Last night, I think it was at 9 o'clock. Okay. Um, so I was at a grocery store, and um, there was this beautiful, okay, it's like I'm going to describe it like it was beautiful, but there were jars of honey. They were beautiful, Julia. They were just, they were beautiful little jars of honey and mm. um, came in different colors. One was uh, a turmeric honey. One was a chocolate honey. Uh, one was golden. There were these different colored honeys and the jars were just beautiful and the writing was beautiful. And so I picked it up and it was a $12 honey and it was tiny. So typically I would not spend $12 on this tiny little bottle of honey. Right. But I picked it up because it was beautiful. Okay. When I picked it up, I started reading the description. And the description talked about warm biscuits and, and drizzling this honey over popcorn and cheese. And the description made my mouth water. Enticing, it was so yeah. emotional that I was like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even look at the price. So I grabbed it. I read the, I read the description on two or three of them. I picked one and I didn't realize it was eleven ninety nine till I got to the um, to the register and I had no problem paying it because I wanted to taste that honey. <laughs> Definitely. So it's an emotional experience. And so if comp if organizations, whether it's a service or a product, can start to really touch on your senses. So your your sense of sight, your sense of smell, your sense of taste. You're here, what you hear, all these senses, your touch, right? When I picked up the bottle, it was beautiful. It was light and it was just, it, it actually felt good to pick it up. It was beautiful to look at. I could taste and smell the product as I was reading the description. Right, right. So it's about really talking to every element of your senses that, that designs awesome experiences, especially for small businesses. Um, I'm working with a lady right now. She's a, got a catering company and um, she's opening up a small uh, a satellite location 
and it's very, very tiny, but it's going to be for, for grab and go kind of products. And, um, and so we talked yesterday a little bit about, you know, how she's going to be able to cater to the senses, which is going to separate her from any other caterer. Typically they'll put a, a menu in front of you and say, you know, pick something, but, but she's going to really try to appeal to their sense of smell and taste and visual before they even walk in the door. Right. Right. So obviously it sounds like you're also saying you need to know your product, your service. You need to know it very well. You need to be passionate and, and mm. just, you really need to be passionate about the product or service that you're choosing. Mm. Um, whether as an employee, you need to be passionate about the product or service or place that you're working. So pick your, pick your employer just as well, you know, but if you are the business owner, you know, for a lot of female entrepreneurs, uh, we we are passionate about the product, but we may not have that sense of of business because typically we start a business because it's passion. It's our passion project, right? And um, and so as we're developing the business side of it, you know, keeping those senses intact all the time. It's senses that probably got you to your passion in the first place. Right, right. Mm, it's senses that probably got you to your passion in the first place. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, what about um, feedback? How important is that in terms of building your, your um, customer experience, your strategy or whatnot? Um, well, like I said, voice of employee or voice of customer data is, mm. is really critical. I think there's a fine line between uh, data paralysis <laughs> and data execution. You know, sometimes we have so much data. We've done all these surveys and but you don't know what to do or how to action it. Mm. And so uh, three tools that I use to be able to really analyze whether it's voice of employee or voice of customer data, but to be able to have some hard data is really, really crucial. So um, I definitely do use surveys when things, um, when there's a need for it. I try to stay away from surveys because I feel like unless they're very carefully designed, um, the questions are carefully designed, then I think often surveys can either get neglected or uh, we're getting, we're promoting, promoting um, the answers to align with the questions that we're asking. And I, I don't like that. I don't feel like it's authentic unless it's a very, very carefully designed survey. But I do do them. The, the one I do the most that I'm probably most in favor of is focus groups. Okay, focus groups, right. And so if you, like, let's say we're designing the employee experience. If you're to get a past employee, a present employee, and possibly a future employee uh, in a room and carefully design questions to ask and just get them to give you open feedback, but to be able to to get that voice of employee data, then you've got legs to stand on when you're designing it because you've got the thing. They almost say, you know, you've got it in the horse's mouth. You've got the right questions and the right answers to work with. Um, the other one I use also is, is mystery shop. So I do video, video mystery anal uh, shops analysis. And so that allows you to capture the video, the, the experience on video um, and really coach behaviors that are providing and, and leading to your statistics. So by capturing the experience on video, you can say, well, hey, you know, that person tried to solve the problem on video, but she couldn't solve the problem because, you know, maybe the food wasn't there on time or because the place wasn't um, 
the hotel rooms weren't ready and that's not her fault, but that you can see the long chain of all the different elements that are affecting the, the customer experience on video. And, on and we video. know that it was super powerful, right? So. Okay, good. Do you have any kind of like um, steps that we can work on, like sort of a, a guidance that you can, that you can give to us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, my seven steps that uh, really allow people to, you know, design their businesses. I'll go through them quickly. I, I won't explain each one of them, but I no, will. No, of course not. Yeah. You. Um, okay. So step number one is um, I call vision vitals. Mm -hmm. uh, really critical for people to, you know, we often have mission statements, but does everybody in your organization, are they clear on your vision every single day, not once a year at the annual, you know, meeting, it's every single day are the, they clear on the vision, how much money you need to put in the till that day, how much, what your customer experience needs to be that day. So being very, very authentic and transparent with your vision to the entire organization. So I call it like a vital sign, vision vitals. Okay. Um, number two is culture connection. Um, I think that's pretty self-explanatory is, is yes. making sure that your culture is connected to the business need. Uh, mission and value. Love sick leadership is a is a great kind of concept that is uh, really inspired by Simon Sinek. This the power of why. I'm sure many of you know what uh, his videos start with why, but he talks a lot about you know being really loves. Well, he, I use the word love sick, but he talks about leadership as a form of parenting almost. You know, we we wouldn't fire our children. We would invest in our children, and we want our children to do. 10 times better than, than we've ever done. And so being lovesick about your, your staff uh, allows you to be a lovesick leader. So, so that's a really critical element. Mm -hmm. uh, number four, it talks about top talent. So, you know, the hiring and the onboarding process. If we are hiring the way we've always hired, we're going to get to the same type of people we've always gotten. And in some cases, that's great. And in other cases, we need to change that up. And so right. incorporate some key elements um, of, of hiring a video of um, different group assessments, just incorporating some interesting methodologies to hire top talent and onboard them correctly. Okay. Number five is uh, design to delight. So that is where we use journey mapping to carefully design what the employee and the customer experience looks like. Okay. So talked about that quite a bit. Um, next would be sales and service synergy. And so sales and service synergy is, you know, joining that customer service department and that sales department to really make them understand that they are one and the same. Um, but also combining other silos in your organization. You know, when I worked with a home builder, there was architectural, there was uh, planning, there was all these different departments, but we really understood that we needed to work together in the, for the better need of the customer. Yep. Okay. And last but not least is uh, coaching confidence, mm. right? A coach, a coach can see things that nobody else can see and a coach will guide you to get the results that you want to get uh, when you don't want to necessarily do the work to get those results. And that, that's what a coach is there for, to hold you accountable. Okay, perfect. So that, those were seven quick and simple, easy steps. So what um, final words or parting words do you have for our listeners? What would you like to share with them in terms of 
the customer experience and building their brand from scratch? Well, I would say, um, I would share a stat actually. So 80% of CEOs believe, believe they deliver an outstanding customer experience, yet only 8% of their customers agree. And mm. so when it comes to that quote, the word outstanding is really what stands out to me is that CEOs believe they're delivering an outstanding experience. But in today's world, people expect an outstanding, uh, they, they expect a, a good experience, but they demand an outstanding experience. And so when we can ignite your leaders to excite your staff, to delight your customers, that's really when we've created um, something to talk about. Perfect. That's, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's really, really good advice. So can you tell us where we can find you, your website address, your email, social media, etc.? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. So it's mm -hmm. crystal D one on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram as well as, um, Facebook. My website is get the inside view.com. Mm -hmm. um, and on social media, I'm get the inside view with a V and a U. So, but I'm uh, all over social media. Okay, perfect. And is there anything that you're looking for at the moment that you'd like to share with our audience or listening audience rather? Maybe a collaboration that you like to do or partnering or you're looking for something, you need help with something? Yes, actually, thank you for asking. I'm, um, I'm actually connecting with businesses on an international level right now to work with their small, medium businesses. And so, um, you know, even just at our initial conversation, I'm really starting to connect with businesses uh, overseas mm -hmm. and outside of Canada. Because, you know, I believe this is my, my passion and my purpose is to really, you know, elevate the level of customer experience across the world. And so connecting with small, medium businesses that really have a passion, I'm not trying to convince people that this is important. I really want people that um, already have a passion for this that I can help to inspire and design uh, elements of the experience. So, so if there's our connections with small, medium businesses that, uh, that are thriving for customer experience excellence, those would be great connections for me. Great. Well, I'm sure there's someone listening in who would love to partner with you in some part of the world, and that would be really, really um, beneficial and helpful to them. So before you go, I want to firstly thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you for all the work that you're doing around the customer experience. I think that it's often a point that's neglected. I think a lot of people don't always understand, like we discussed earlier, that there's a difference between the customer experience and customer service. And you're working very hard to get people to understand that. And I also think for women entrepreneurs who are just starting out in business, they don't have big teams or any of that stuff as yet. They're just solopreneurs working by themselves. They're trying to figure this out as well. And how do they incorporate this into their service and all, all of what you've told us this um, evening, morning for you has been really helpful and really beneficial. So thank you so very much for all your work. You are appreciated. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. And that is it for this podcast. And I hope you've learned a lot. I know that I have. And until next time, lovely ones, bye for now.